Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Paid in Full Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Rausch, and this is episode number 10, back again. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, 10 episodes. This is a mini milestone here. Uh, look, I, I didn't know how long I'd be doing this podcast for, you know, just something I felt compelled to start, but 10 episodes in is very cool, and I appreciate you guys so much for all the support. Uh, it inspires me to keep doing this knowing that uh, you guys are listening and some of this information is helpful and just all the kind words uh, that you guys have been uh, sending me for uh, just, you know, sharing this information. So I really appreciate it and uh, it's been really awesome and fulfilling for me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So today we're going to be talking more about uh, the royalty world, just our general overview kind of of these different aspects and landscapes of the royalties in the music industry. And uh, today we're going to talk about sound exchange, which is uh, something that a lot of people have heard of. If you haven't, uh, well, this is a great episode to, to dive into, but I'll just segue into it with a little uh, recent experience that um, I uh, went through. So I was helping an artist that uh, just has been affected by recently touring. You know, they, they can't tour. So obviously that's a great way to make money for a lot of artists. This artist couldn't tour. That obviously also affects their merch. Um, so just took a hit financially. And right now in the music community, you know, it is taking a big hit in that aspect. So we have to lean more on our royalties, which is why learning more about this side of it is just so incredibly important. This is, you know, you know royalties are a continuous flow. And as you build your royalties up, that flow gets bigger and you generate more income over time. So that's why you really have to understand what royalties you need to be collecting and how to continue to grow that income stream. Because there's a lot of different ways royalties flow in. Um, but you know, we were talking about uh, just his royalty income streams and I wanted to make sure he was monetizing from everywhere to see if there was anything out there that uh, he could you know, benefit from. So uh, I asked him if he was sound, signed up with Sound Exchange. He said, "What's Sound Exchange?" I said, "Okay." So uh, I explained to him what it was, and uh, we signed him up. This was a few months ago. Now he recently got his first payment, and uh, it was a check for a little under thirty-five hundred dollars because a lot of it was retroactive royalties. Now thirty-five hundred dollars is that's a good amount of money for just something that. It, you know, you weren't collecting. That's a, a little bit of a healthy amount. Yeah, it's not astronomical. This isn't tens of thousands of dollars. But just knowing that that money was out there being uncollected and all we had to do was make sure that he was tapped into Sound Exchange the right way so he can monetize from all his songs, that instantly money starts flowing. Now he'll get that recovery check first, that initial amount. But also now we've unlocked this lane of continuous royalties and that's really where the ultimate value is, is over time, is a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, that continuous flow and what that'll amount to. So, you know, I bring that up because in this royalty world of the music industry, the biggest problem isn't that companies don't pay. You know, there's this like a uh, kind of thought about the music industry, like, oh, people aren't paying me my royalties. No, you're actually just not going out there and collecting them. And that's the way this industry works. You have to go out and collect your royalties, do your due diligence and know what you should be collecting. And are you, you know, affiliated with the right companies? Are your songs registered the right way? And it's kind of unfortunate to say that because 
um, you know, education is really the the part that hurts our industry is that so many artists would love to go out and collect the royalties. It's just so many artists don't know what to even collect or that there's even royalties out there beyond their you know, distribution platform or ASCAP or BMI that how do they even know that there's royalties out there? And that's where that education gap really happens. And that's the unfortunate part. So you have kind of like these two sides, like the companies that are supposed to pay royalties aren't really seeking out the artists and songwriters that they need to pay. So money builds up with them, but then the artists and songwriters don't even really know that those royalties are out there for them to get. So this gap just builds and builds and builds. And, um, you know, it's a, it's just an unfortunate part of our music industry, but it's a reality. So again, you know, even me doing this podcast is just a way to try to close this gap and, you know, be a little bit a part of the solution to, uh, close this gap for a lot of songwriters and companies, because at the end of the day, Everybody just wants to get paid. So let's make sure you guys are doing that. And uh, segue now into our episode about sound exchange and that side of this royalty world. So first thing you guys need to know, a little bit of background information. Before, uh, you know, the kind of digital world exploded, when we talk about radio and performance, and you guys will know about this uh, when, when you listen back to the episode about performance royalties. So Performance royalties are uh, royalties that were generally paid to songwriters and publishers, right? Uh, Specifically, let's talk about radio because that's where this kind of uh, becomes important. So historically, radio, I'm talking about like AM, FM, radio, terrestrial radio, that's the proper term. Royalties from terrestrial radio only get paid to songwriters and publishers. Artists and record labels on a sound recording side don't get paid performance royalties from radio. Never did and still continue not to do that. So this is where we have to really think about kind of the separation that I always talk about between the musical composition, the songwriters and publishers, and the sound recording, which is the artists and the record labels. Now, for uh, you know, just kind of cl- clarity purposes here, if you are both the songwriter and the artist, the person who's recording those songs, meaning you're writing songs and you're also recording the songs you wrote, then you have to really separate yourself to these two entities to think about it. Okay, who am I here? I'm the songwriter on this side and I'm the recording artist on this side. So always think of yourself as two people if you do those, uh, if you both record and write. If you're only a songwriter, then you just focus on the musical composition side. If you're only a recording artist, meaning you don't actually write songs, you just record other people's songs that write for you, uh, then you just focus on the sound recording side. So um, that that really is important to what we're about to say. So going back to that kind of radio example, with terrestrial radio, only the songwriters and publishers get royalties, and those royalties get paid to ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC. Those are your performance royalties. So radio stations pay basically licensing fees that get reported and paid to the performance rights organizations, which then pay you, the songwriters, and uh, your publisher. So that's that side of it. That's traditionally how it's always been. Then when the digital age started happening, where we started seeing music being uh, performed digitally, and they really didn't understand how to um, 
what this really meant for the performance world. And I'm talking about digital radio. So Pandora, you know, Sirius, things like that, where you had this uh, digital radio development start to happen. So people in the music industry were like, well, does this get treated the same way as terrestrial radio? It's really kind of a new way of consuming music and a new way of distributing music. So it should be a little bit different. And that's a very general way of kind of saying what the problem was. So a major um, act, uh, a copyright act happened in 1998 that really changed this little landscape here. And it was called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA. If you heard of that, it was really uh, important in terms of infringement and what was happening to digital music at that time. Just so many things going unlicensed using on all these platforms. So one of the things the DMCA did was they created this statutory right for featured artists, performers, and sound recording uh, owners, you know, master rights owners to receive performance royalties from these digital streaming services like radio that were non-interactive. And that was the first time where people on the sound recording side were like, oh, wow, we can now get paid performance royalties for radio use, not terrestrial radio, but digital radio. And that was a real, real big thing that happened because songwriters and publishers in, like I said, in the whole radio world have always gotten royalties, but sound recording uh, owners or artists never did. So with digital radio and only digital radio, that that really started to happen. So this was a really big thing that opened up the royalty world for uh, artists and record labels, people on the sound recording side. So today we're talking about just the sound recording side and why this new royalty uh, income stream popped up and uh, why you should be collecting it. Now, also, I want to make a clear point here. I'm referring to it as digital radio, but to be very clear, the term is actually non-interactive digital streaming services. And the term non-interactive, which we went over a couple episodes ago, the term non-interactive means any digital streaming service where you can't really like control how you play a song, meaning you can't stop and rewind it back or choose a song, kind of like Spotify or Apple Music or any of the DSPs where you can go in and literally, it's they're interactive. You can choose which song you want to play at what time, how you want to play it. Very interactive. Non-interactive is like picking a, you know, going on Pandora, picking a, you know, radio station and listening to it just song by song by song. Same with Sirius. That's, uh, you know, digital radio that's non-interactive. So, uh, it's important to understand the term non-interactive, that it's actually not just limited to radio. Another non-interactive way of listening is if you ever go on TV and choose that channel music choice, where you can actually listen to music kind of like radio style, but through your TV, through specific channels, they'll have like music choice pop hits, music choice hip hop, whatever you want. Um, that's also non-interactive. So don't just think of it as radio and also the point of that is too, is like in the future, we don't know what other non-interactive uh, means of music are going to develop. So the real term is non-interactive, but just to keep things easy, I'm referring to it as digital radio. So we can kind of compare digital radio to terrestrial radio, which was what uh, traditionally was happening. So 
digital radio um, and these non-interactive streaming services hugely opened up the world for royalties for sound recording uh, owners and artists. So again, let's take off our songwriter hat and let's only think of ourselves in terms of the sound recording side. So if uh, you're an artist or a featured performer or featured artist, we're going to get into what that means, but this is really for you. So pay attention uh, to what these royalties are. Also, just a quick note that I want to be um, just clear on. This is only for the US. This was a US thing that was happening. The rest of the world pays uh, differently in terms of uh, terrestrial radio, where uh, artists in the sound recording side actually do get royalties for that. So in the US, this was just a uh, a problem. So again, we're, we're kind of talking about the US here. We'll get into foreign royalties in a separate topic, but I uh, just wanted to make that clear. So um, now in a uh, after the DMCA kind of uh, created this new statutory right, they also had to create a company that basically administered and licensed and paid out royalties for this right. And that company became Sound Exchange, and that was developed in 2003. So the Copyright Royalty Board, you know, this is Library of Congress, they basically said, hey, we need to set up a company that does this and Boom, sound exchange is created. Now you are going to be the hub that controls this world, that makes sure all the artists and record labels, sound recording owners, everybody on the master side is going to get paid these uh, non-interactive digital uh, royalties. So that was the creation of sound exchange. So that's just a little background uh, information there. So now we have to ask ourselves, who gets paid? So there's a few different ways uh, you get paid from sound exchange. One, the first is called the featured artist. All right. Featured artist can mean a couple of things. One, it's, uh, and you'll also hear it as like featured performer. Uh, but think about it as like a featured artist, meaning the main artist who's recording that. So if you are a singer and you're a solo act, you are the featured artist. If you're a rapper, you are the featured artist. The, the main person, they like to say uh, say it as the vocalist, but this is where it gets a little different. Obviously, in instrumental music where there is no vocalist, you can still be the featured artist. If you are in a band, this is where it gets tricky. If you're in a band, the band collectively can be the featured artist where each member of the band is an individual featured artist. So, for example, say uh, you had a band and there was four of you guys, then your featured artist share would be divided by four uh, between you know each of you guys. Or Sound Exchange would make just one payment to the featured artist entity, which would be the band name. I'll get into that in a bit, but just know there's a couple ways the featured artist can be defined, and uh, it really means kind of the main performers, the main artist. All right. Now, that's the first type of person that gets paid. The second type of person that gets paid is the sound recording owner. Traditionally, this was the record label because as we know in a, in a record deal, the record labels often own the masters. This was kind of before distribution deals and independent distribution became really popular. So record labels were often the sound recording owner, but now with the rise of independence, where people can do a distribution deal or use services like DistroKid or TuneCore, a lot of people are independently distributing their music and independently owning the sound recording. So 
if you're an independent artist, you are not signed to a record deal, you are now getting two types of royalties to you from SoundExchange, one as the featured artist and two as the sound recording owner. Two very important things to know right there. All right, keep that in mind. The third uh, that we're going to talk about too are basically featured artists that are uh, included, but not necessarily they're like the main featured artist. So this can be uh, whether someone's featured on your song or other people that participate in that track. Those people are also entitled to sound exchange royalties from those uh, tracks as well. Now, I want to say this just on another side because uh, I'm sure some of you guys are wondering, well, what if I performed on the track? Like what if I played keys or drums or bass or guitar, but I'm, I'm a musician and I'm not actually the featured artist? Well, you do not get paid from sound exchange. What you'll get paid is a royalty from uh, a fund. There's two, actually a fund from two entities. One is called SAG-AFTRA and the other is called AFM, which is the American Federation of Musicians. Sound Exchange pays a percentage of royalties for non-featured artists to that fund. And that's where you're going to have to collect it. So I'll break this all down right now. Just keep in mind, there's multiple different places too. Okay. So first we are going to start uh, just talking about the royalty flow for the featured artists. So what Sound Exchange does is, you know, first thing you have to do, uh, whether you're a featured artist or sound recording owner, what you have to do is sign up with Sound Exchange. Go to their site and sign up as either a featured artist or a sound recording owner or both if you are if you participate in both. You'll register for them the same way like you would register for ASCAP or any other kind of collection society or licensing society. So that's the first thing you're going to do is sign up and affiliate with SoundExchange, okay? So right after this podcast episode, if you're not already there, go on their site and do that, okay? It's very, very easy. Basically, SoundExchange pays their royalties in a couple different ways. First, so all the digital, the non-interactive digital streaming companies basically pay this uh, sound recording performance royalty to sound exchange. So Pandora pays them, Sirius pays them. They have thousands of different people, thousands of different non-interactive services that pay them. And uh, because there's tons of them out there. So they pay sound exchange uh, this money. Sound exchange basically, you know, collects it. And, you know, they know through their data system, they know how to report it and who's going to get what. Then first, for so let's just break it down if there was like a dollar. The way they do it is first 45% is paid to the featured artist. So that's one side right there. So if you're the featured artist, you get that half. Now, keep in mind, I said 45%. 50% goes to the sound recording owner. So that's either the record label or if you independently own your sound recording, you also get that royalty. So we have 45% to the featured artist, 50% to the sound recording owner. Now, you guys are probably wondering, well, why is it only 45%? Because the remaining 5% that comes out of the featured artist side, that 5% gets paid to non-featured artists. That non-featured artist is the one that gets paid to the SAG-AFTRA AFM, all right? That fund, 
So that little 5% that doesn't get paid to the featured artist goes to the non-featured, meaning musicians, uh, people who participated on the song but aren't actually listed or credited or are the featured artists. You guys have to go to that fund if you want to get your royalties. So definitely make sure you're doing that. You know, that's another area where you may be missing royalties. So that's the breakdown, the 45, the 50, and the 5, all right? Now, and that just goes directly to you. Once you're signed up with with SoundExchange, um, what you'll do is you'll create a membership. Now, creating a membership has tons of benefits that I'll get into, but they'll tell you, hey, are you a, you know, are you a featured artist or are you a sound recording owner? And then they'll take you to a place called Sound Exchange Direct, which kind of acts as a place to upload your songs and put in all your information. So when you put in all your information, you know, you'll put in your song title, your ISRC numbers, all, all the information that's necessary uh, in there. You'll put that in their system and they'll know to match the royalties to you so you can just sit back and they'll collect your royalties. But definitely make sure you're checking those statements to make sure you're getting paid what you should, just as a double check. But that's basically how you would get those royalties. So you got to sign up, register your songs, and then they'll pay them to you. Now, after um, that's the general royalty flow. Now, let's talk about some kind of uh, different things that can happen, right? First, I want to talk about the producers or a mixer, but let's really talk about the producers here. Where do producers fit in? Now, remember, producers are often our third hat that we like to wear, and I always split it between songwriters, artists, and producers. Now, again, you may be all three. You may be the songwriter who also produced your own track and recorded on it. Like you, I see this all the time, but again, We always have to keep things separate to know where your royalties are coming from and who should be collecting them. So if you're a producer and uh, say you produced somebody's record, well, you're entitled to sound exchange as well. And this usually comes off the top. Now, a lot of producers have, they do producer agreements where they get points on an artist's record. So I work with a lot of different producers that, uh, you know, they'll produce uh, a song for an artist, they'll get the producer points, say it's 5% of the artist's uh, basically percentage of the artist's share. And, um, but they'll break out that calculation and apply it to sound exchange royalties. Now, so if you are a producer, you're also entitled to sound exchange royalties based on your producer share. And I won't get into the depth of the calculation now there's a few different ways you can go it but it's pretty uh, you can do it but it's pretty negotiable uh, negotiable so you definitely want to make sure you can uh, get what you're owed and if you have a lawyer that's what you want to have them do is make sure you're getting your producer royalties uh, for sound exchange now producers aren't broken out in that 45 5 50 percent uh, area there because it's a negotiable thing say the producer negotiates 20% of the artist's share of sound exchange royalties. That means they would do 20% of the artist's 45% because remember, 45% goes to the featured artist. So 20% of the 45% would get paid to the producers and that comes off the top. So sound exchange would pay them first and then break it down to the artist. So very important to know for producers that you also get you you can also get sound exchange royalties. 
uh, aside from being a songwriter, aside from being an artist, you can also get this producer royalty. Now, what makes it kind of tricky for producers, and a lot of them just are like, ugh, I don't care about this because it's such a painful process, is the, in order to do that, you need to fill out a letter of direction. It's called an LOD, a letter of direction. You can get this directly from Sound Exchange's site. Now, with that LOD, what happens is that the featured artists themselves actually have to sign off on it. And that's the part that just never happens because artists just like don't do it. It's not their priority. Um, this is something I see time and time again where so many producers struggle because one, they're not even in touch with the artist to, the, to begin with often. Sometimes they're just pitching their track or um, you know went through multiple different managers and uh, you know they don't have that close relation. So it's very difficult for them to get the artist to actually sign off on this LOD. So royalties, they just don't get paid. But that's the part that sucks is that the actual featured artist has to sign off on this LOD and say, okay, this person was a producer and they this is what they're entitled to for their uh, production credit. And this is the amount of royalties they should be getting from SoundExchange. Here's my signature. Now, if there's more than one featured artist involved on the track, each featured artist has to sign off on that. So that adds another extra layer that gets more complicated. So this is why even for producers, I talk to so many producers that just totally give up on getting their sound exchange royalties because they don't want to go through the hassle or pay the legal fees to try to get all this and sign off on it. So unfortunately, these royalties don't always get paid out and uh, just continue to go straight to the artist when really producers are entitled to a share of that royalties very often. So keep that in mind. Also, this was a really important part that was added to the Music Modernization Act, the MMA, back in 2018, uh, which was another major, major act that happened in the music industry and specifically reference producers. So if you're a producer and you produced a track for an artist and you're not getting sound exchange royalties, but you have producer points from your producer agreement, make sure you get them to sign off on an LOD so you can start getting your sound exchange royalties. Now, another person we're going to talk about is going back to if there's other featured artists on that track. So for example, um, say you're the main artist, but someone else is singing a verse or uh, you know doing the chorus and they're also like featured on your track. Or if it's just say it's a band situation and you guys are, there's two featured artists because maybe one is a guitarist and the other is a drummer and uh, you guys are going, even though you have one band name, you're going to represent as two separate entities. So you there would essentially be two featured artists there. Whatever the case may be, when there's more than one featured artist on each track, then what SoundExchange does is they their default is to just divide it equally. But if it's not equal, meaning say there's the primary featured artist that uh, agreed to uh, deal with uh, the you know secondary featured artist, the one who just did the hook or the one who did another verse. Say the primary artist said, hey, I'm going to get 75% and you're going to get 25% of this sound exchange uh, featured artist share. Say that's the deal they did instead of split it equally. Well, then you have to go to sound exchange 
and you'll fill out what's called a featured artist repertoire submission form. And this will lay out, it's on Sound Exchange's website, and this will lay out the terms of the track of how things should be split. And Sound Exchange will go ahead and make that calculation and do that accounting for you. So they'll split it however you want. You just have to tell them. Otherwise, the default is going to be even. Now, if you are a featured artist and never went through this process because you didn't know and you didn't realize that you can get your Sound Exchange royalties, then you need to go have a conversation with the primary featured artist and say, hey, I'm a feature on your track. We should talk about Sound Exchange royalties if that wasn't negotiated. So definitely be careful. If you if you guys are being featured on people's tracks, you're also considered a featured artist and you have to talk to the primary artist about getting those rights in your featured artist agreement. It is common when anyone's featured um, to do that. If it's not like a buyout situation or you know if you're doing a feature for a fee, it's very common to get those royalties uh, added to your agreement. But if not, definitely something to keep in mind because it's an added royalty stream that you can get. So there are a lot of different people that can participate in the sound exchange money. And if you're one of them, make sure you're signed up and you have all that squared away so you can unlock these royalty streams. It's super, super important, especially if you have some real major tracks out there uh, that have done very well. I've seen six and seven figure uh, amounts come out of sound exchange. This can be very significant money. It's similar to ASCAP and BMI. This is performance money, but on the sound recording side. So don't disregard it. Definitely make sure you're collecting that money because if you're not signed up with sound exchange and you have songs that are out there that you own, that you performed on, then there are royalties for you. That's just the truth. Okay. So make sure you're getting that. Now, another quick tip I want to mention too. When you do sign up with SoundExchange, there's an option to uh, set up a membership. And I I mentioned this a bit earlier in the episode. You want to basically sign up as a member because you get access to SoundExchange Direct, which also allows you to upload and register all your songs. But also, they have an option to collect international royalties. And this is very important. Because Sound Exchange has agreements with other organizations. They're called CMOs, Collective Management Organizations, all throughout the world in all the major territories. Uh, I think right now they have like 35 territories throughout the world that they have agreements in. So if you want to collect international performance royalties on the sound recording side for non interactive digital streaming services uh, that use your music, then you definitely want to opt in to this option that Sound Exchange has. It's a good benefit if you don't have an organization outside the U.S. doing this for you. Um, it could be a quick and easy way. There's no added administration fee from them or anything. And it's just, it's just a good way to start to collect that money and make sure you're grabbing not just the U.S., but money from all other territories throughout the world that have agreements with Sound Exchange to do this. So it's a great way to just you know spread the net out there and uh, make sure you're getting all your royalties um, just internationally as well. And again, we'll talk more about international royalties in uh, further episodes, but this is just an important one because if you're not doing that and you don't have another company internationally doing that for you, then you're definitely leaving royalties on the table because remember, the international market can be very significant. Music is not just played in the US, my friends. There's um, so many artists that do that are US-based artists but do incredibly well in other territories, whether it's you know the UK or France or Japan or Australia. 
so many other major music markets out there that generate tons of royalties. So if you're not collecting that, uh, make sure you are. There's a lot out there for you, and hopefully this episode opened up that world and shed a bit, little bit of light to uh, give you guys some insight on how to go about and collecting it. So right now, what you need to be doing is when this episode ends, if you are not signed up with SoundExchange and you're not collecting this money, go to their website right now. They have tons of resources, a lot of different things you can read. You can dive in. They do great at explaining so many different things, whether it's international. Um, They show you all the different places that they collect from service providers. It's a great, great resources. Dive into that. Sign up right now and get your royalties. I can't express this enough. If you have any questions or need help through this process, let me know. DM me. Send me a message. Drop a comment. Do whatever you want. But I'm here to help, and I just want to make sure you guys are getting the royalties that are necessary uh, for you to claim. All right. That being said, thanks so much for listening. I will see you guys on the next episode.